So the team, uh, the team was like, hey, Ryan, happy anniversary. We got you a new whiteboard, right? <laughs> no, they actually were like, Ryan, welcome to the 21st century. This is called a TV, right? <laughs> so I love it. But thanks so much for being here, and uh, thanks for uh, celebrating with us. Love being a part of Grace Church and being a servant to you, and uh, what a great opportunity and privilege it is uh, just to know you and to be a part of Grace Church. Obviously, Grace has changed my life, and uh, I love being able to live life kind of with the family here at Grace. And uh, thanks for being with us. If you are maybe uh, tuning in, maybe you've never been here before and you're watching online, thank you for doing that. If you're here in the room with us, thanks for uh, being a guest if you just popped in for the first time. And uh, let me tell you kind of what, where we're going today, what we've been uh, looking at. Over the last handful of months, we've been having a bunch of conversations about the uniqueness of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Uh, we, we said that if I'm going to follow Jesus, if I'm going to consider being a Christ follower, maybe you are one, you would look and say, there's going to be a unique difference to how we are going to approach and live life if we say I want to follow Christ. Uh, it, it's just different. There's differences to it. We've been talking about that over the last several months. We've looked and we said, uh, we said we were going to see differently. Right? A handful of months ago, we looked at the worldview that comes with somebody that says, I want to follow Jesus that we're going to approach and see life through a different set of lenses than maybe somebody that doesn't follow Christ, right? We said we're going to see differently. And we said that we're not going to stop there. I'm not just going to think differently or see the world differently. That's ultimately right, going to show up in a different kind of lifestyle, that there's different habits and a different kind of set of priorities that I would choose. I'm going to live differently, and I'm going to uh, kind of have a different lifestyle that comes out as I follow Christ, and what we want to do is we want to today kind of open up the last chapter of this conversation where really following Jesus is going to culminate. And we said, ultimately, all right, I'm not just going to see differently. I'm not just going to live differently. I'm going to love differently. And at the end of the day, the defining marker in somebody who follows Jesus is their love. Uh, when Jesus was asked by kind of the teachers of the law back in the day when he was living on the planet, they would say, hey, hey Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? If you had to like nail one down, what's the greatest commandment in all the Bible, all the Old Testament? Jesus would look at the teachers and he would look back at them and say, listen, the whole law really hangs on these two commands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. If you had to boil it all down, he would say, basically, it all hangs on this. You love God and you love people. Love is the defining feature of the follower of Jesus. It's what makes us the most unique. In fact, he would tell his disciples, right, the disciples are really committed follower. He would look at his disciples and say, listen, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another, right? The, the defining feature that people would say, oh, those people are with Jesus. Look how they treat each other, right? Like, look how they love each other. Those must be people that, that are connected to Christ. So that's how people are going to be defined, not, not by their organizational attachment, Right? Not by their judgmentalism, and not, not by any of the things that we might think of or our culture might think of when we think of people connected to a church or to Jesus. It's love that is ultimately going to find the follower of Jesus. And you're a thinking person, so you might think, Ryan, Jesus talked a lot about love, obviously. It's going to show up all over the Bible. Uh, but, but love is a conversation that's also very popular and prevalent today. We, we talk about love all, all, all the time. All kinds of people say that we need to love, and we mean maybe different things when we say love today than when Jesus said it. So what does it mean to love differently? To love the way that God has called us to love and to be the people that God has called us to be by loving the way that he has loved us. 
That's what we're going to be diving into really in the course of this series. I'll kind of get us kicked off today. We'll talk a little bit more about that. And then over the next handful of weeks, Pastor Jeff will be kind of leading us through the rest of the conversation. What we're going to camp into today is we want to talk about kind of love in action, right? When I put love into action, specifically through the local church, if you looked at me and you said, Ryan, well, what's God's plan to change the world? Like, what is God going to use to change this planet? I would look back at you and say, what I read from Scripture is that the, the local church is God's plan for the world. That is, His people organizing the local churches carry His message to the world. That's what will change the world. It's what God planned on. It's not perfect. It's not always pretty. But it is God's kind of enduring plan, and we have seen it move the message of Jesus across the whole globe over the last 2,000 years, and that's what we are a part of, right? If we say, man, I, I want to be a part of a local church, we are in that family. So we want to have a conversation today kind of starting looking at what does it mean to be the church, the people of God, right? Actively loving the way that God would love us. And here's the first thing we're going to see. The, the church, the church is called to be a family, right, that helps the world kind of make sense of God's love, the church is called to be a family that helps the world make sense of God's love. So you think of it like this. If somebody's not part of the church yet, they're not in the family yet, the ideal situation is that people who say, man, I'm kind of interested in this whole thing. I want to look at the church and say, what is the church like? And as the people of the church love each other and love the people outside of the church, the people that aren't yet in it would be able to look and say, oh, that's what God must be like. Right, as I watch you love each other, God and his love starts to make sense to me. If this is what the kids are like, if this is what the family is like, this is what the father must be like. And of course, we're never going to do it perfectly. We're always going to be flawed. But in imperfect people, the perfect love of God right, can really shape and morph the church into a family that makes sense of his love. Let me show you this passage here real quick. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, the Apostle Paul is going to teach us a little bit about this. He's talking to a specific church, this church in Ephesus, an ancient city, right, in a kind of ancient world. He says, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, right? So you're children of God, sons and daughters of God. Anybody who follows Jesus has been adopted into the family of God. He says, listen, walk in the way of love. I want you to live like me as children imitating their father. Follow my example. And just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Right? Follow the example of Jesus. Follow God's example and be children that mimic the father in heaven. Follow the lead of the Bible to say that Jesus is our brother if we follow Jesus. Kind of follow his example. And we live out this kind of unique love, this different kind of love with each other. And now, Pastor Jeff mentioned this a little bit earlier. I, I didn't grow up in church, had no church background at all. And so honestly, I just didn't even really think of the church very often. And so for me, when I pictured church, I probably pictured, um, if I thought of it, I would think, I, I don't know what's going on in that building over there. With like, what do those people do? Right? Like, sometimes we'll use the example of like a you know, there's like the Moose Lodge, right? There's like the Elks. What do people do in those buildings, right? No one really knows. Yeah, I kind of thought of the church like that. It was like fascinating. If I got curious, I might ask the question, but otherwise, I have no idea what happens in those churches. Church people sometimes are nice, and sometimes they're very, right, kind of condemning or judgmental. I don't know what to expect from that. 
And as a brand new believer, I was trying to figure out what is the church like. Now, at the same time, I was starting to date uh, Lori, my wife Lori. You just saw her up here. And uh, Lori's Lebanese. And uh, you you can tell she's Lebanese. She kind of looks like Jasmine from uh, the movie Aladdin, the cartoon movie. She's a real person, not a cartoon, but just to make sure that was clear, right? But she's Lebanese, and we got to start dating each other, and we got to that part in our relationship that everybody gets to when they are about to start getting serious, where you like go and meet the family. It's a defining moment. You know, you know, this is getting serious, and I'm going to meet the family, and let's see what this is going to be like. Ooh, right? There's a lot, lot at stake here. And I'll never forget, like, my first set of interactions with Lori's family, right? Lebanese family, fascinating stuff. One of the things that absolutely blew my mind as I started to interact with Lori and her family together, kind of as a whole culture, is this unbelievable way that they accepted people, right? It was unbelievable. They would treat total strangers like they had known them forever. They'll meet you, and like five minutes later, they're inviting you to their house, and they're going to make you dinner, and hugging you, and kissing you, and embracing you, and they just like suck you into the love vortex that is their family. And I was like, this is kind of of wild. I don't even know what to do with this whole thing. It's foreign, but it's kind of attractive. Like, I think this is okay. And right, I was getting to know them. Like, this is amazing. And I would go to their house, and they'd make you food, and they'd ask you questions, and let you talk about yourself, and joke around with you. Every member kind of had their part to play in the family. And people would just show up. Like, old neighbors would come in and just, like, walk through the front door and feel like they were welcome there. I was like, what is going on? Like, there's all these people that feel like they're a part of your family, even though they're not actual blood relatives. It was like wild, right? It was kind of amazing. I thought, this is awesome to experience. I'd never really seen anything like it. You know, at the same time, right, I'm a brand new follower of Jesus. I'm starting to read the Bible. I'm starting to go to church. And I'm starting to realize as I read the Bible, and the Bible talks about accepting one another, welcoming one another as Jesus has welcomed us, to show hospitality to one another, right? It, all, all these things, to show kindness the way that God has shown kindness to us. And what I recognized is, oh, I started to do the math, that the church is supposed to be something like this kind of family experience that I'm having over here with my in-laws. And that if the, the church is supposed to be a loving family that just welcomes people into it, and when that happens, man, all kinds of math is done. People are able to say, got it. When, when God's people love me, Right? For no reason, no benefit that they can gain from it other than they're just showing the love that God has shown them. People start to do the math and they realize, man, God it might actually love me. If this is how his family is, I want to be in on that. I want to be a part of it too. Right? I want to be kind of in this extended family that God would play. And one of the things that made it so effective when I, when I connected with, with Lori's family is I kind of saw them in each of their roles. Right? Each member kind of had a, a role to play, and they did that. Right? Somebody would ask you questions, have a conversation. Somebody's making you food. Somebody's joking around with you. Everybody kind of did what they naturally did. Let me just say this. This is exactly how it's supposed to work in the church. In the church, ideally, everybody has a part to play. And here's, here's what I want you to know. Everyone in the family has a crucial role to play. Every single family member kind of doing their part is what creates that unique culture and that unique experience. It's a big, big deal. Right? That's how it should work in the family. Let me show you this passage here 
in Romans, or in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, in this section of Scripture, uh, the Apostle Paul is teaching about what the church is supposed to be like, how all the different parts kind of work together. Here's what he's going to say. He says, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Let me walk through this. This is a big, kind of a big sentence. He says, now to each one, let me break that down. He's saying each person that would raise their hand and say, I'm a follower of Jesus. To each person that would claim Jesus and say, I follow Christ, he's going to say, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to them. What does that mean? It means the Holy Spirit, God himself, comes and lives inside of us, and as he does that, what he does, what he brings with him when he comes to live inside of us is he gives us a spiritual gift. The word here is manifestation. There's a special gift that God gives when he gives his spirit to a follower of Jesus. Every Christ follower has a spiritual gift. It's an amazing truth, an amazing reality. Some of us have multiple gifts. All of us who say, yes, I follow Jesus would have at least one and here's why those gifts are given. We'll talk about what some of them are in a second. They're given not to be used on our own. These kind of special abilities that God gives and puts into us aren't given for our own glory, um, not even for our own enjoyment. They're given for the common good, right? I have a special, unique ability to contribute so that someone experiences the love of God as each person does their part. Fascinating to see how this works. You might be saying, Ryan, what, what are these spiritual gifts? I don't even know that I have them, or maybe you're not yet a Christ follower, and you've never even heard of this concept. Here's, here's what spiritual gifts would look like. So here's some of them that the Bible would list. You might have the gift of hospitality, gift of evangelism. You might love sharing your faith. Uh, you, you might have the gift of service. You just love to help people. Everywhere you go, you're the person that just like jumps in and wants to help make something happen. You might have a gift of leadership or teaching or wisdom or knowledge. Right? There's a bunch of them. Uh, actually, if you want to take notes and you're kind of a nerd, I'll give you the passages real quick where you can find all of them. Ready? Real quick. Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12. Got those? Right? Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. If you want to go check them out, go for it. Even better, uh, one of the best things that we do here at Grace is this. Uh, we, we offer this class called the Shape Class. And if you would look at me and say, I'm not quite sure what my spiritual gifts are yet, here's what the shape class does. It dives into who you are and helps you understand that God uniquely has put experiences and things into your life, gifts into your life that he wants to use. Let me, let me walk you through what it is real quick. Here's shape. Spiritual gifts, heartbeat, it's your passions, abilities, personality, and experiences. So spiritual gifts are what we just talked about. Right, these kind of unique God-given things that, he said, that you get when you say yes to following Jesus. Heartbeat is your passion. Right, there's a reason why when you dream of how you could impact the world, which we all do, that you dream what you dream. Some of us dream of building an orphanage and seeing kids fed and trained and loved. Some of us, we, we dream of being extremely generous. And boy, if I could give and facilitate church planting, all of, I would love to do that. So some of us think, I mean, I just want to show up and like help. I want to make a difference in a small way that's kind of invisible. I, I, just, I just want to regularly help facilitate wherever I can. I just want to be used. Uh, some of us are leaders, and we think, man, if I could dive deep into someone's life. Some of us dream of the opportunity over and over and over again to share our faith. We, we have these passions that would kind of, when we're at our best, they would drive our lives, and they would excite us. 
and they would call us to the great mission of being a part of God's church. Those heartbeat items right, that would show up in us, listen, not everybody has the heartbeat that you have. That's unique in many ways to you, and God's put that in you. Of course, we're going to have abilities that are unique. We don't all have the same kind of talents and skills. Personality. Some of us are extroverts, and some of us are introverts, and God uses them all to figure that stuff out and know how to put it into action is so important. And then E, of course, is experiences, that acronym kind of all filling out. Experiences. We have had all unique life experience. Some of us that grew up in a broken home. You uniquely know how to help other people that have grown up in a broken home. If you've gone through tragedy and loss, you uniquely know how to be that helper to someone else who's gone through that. Right? Your experiences, maybe you've been extremely successful, other people that are learning how to succeed, they, they could use your experience in life. You name it, God takes all that together, personality, spiritual gifts, heartbeat, abilities, all this stuff, and he wires and says, listen, you uniquely contribute as a member of the family. Every single member matters. It's critical. Everybody does their part. That's how the family feels big and strong and effective when everyone's showing up and doing the part that I've called them to do. Right? So the church is a family. Every member matters. That's one of the pictures that, that, God, that God gives us in the Bible. Another picture that God would give us in the Bible is the church is also a body. Right? Think of physical body, the way that, that Paul and some of other teachers in the New Testament would teach about the church is that we are, we are like a body and each of us make up the body of Christ and we are individual members of it, Scripture would say. Right? Some of us are the eyes, some of us are the ears, some of us are the hands, right? and some of us play a part that's not so visible, right? kind of like the organs that are really important but you don't see them as much. And every single part of the body matters in a really big way. It's critical that each one is playing their role so that the body can be fully functioning. In fact, this is so important to us here at Grace. We actually have chosen this as one of our core values here. We would look and say, listen, in Grace Church, we have no spare parts. We have no spare parts. There's no extra. If you're a member of this body, you, your part matters. Everyone in the church has an essential part to play. By discovering and developing how we fit into God's storyline, we experience unimaginable, supernatural life change in and around us. We have no spare parts. Right? There, there's no extra body parts in this body. Each and every one matters a ton. Now, Pastor Jeff was picking on me a little bit about my, uh, my wood obsession. If you don't know about this, let me tell you, right? Because I love to talk about my wood issues. So I have a wood-burning stove. Um, I also have a furnace. I'm not Amish, but I keep that wood-burning stove cooking basically from like right around now until April. It's my favorite time of the year. It is awesome, right? My fire is humming all the time, and I love, love, love to cut down wood, chop wood, split wood, use my chainsaw, and just in general, get my wood pile ready to be burned, and then I'm a little bit sad when I have to burn it, right? But, but one of my favorite things to do is to physically chop the wood, Okay, have you ever done this before? If you've never chopped wood before, your big takeaway from this conversation is to chop wood. It's going to be awesome. So here's how, here's how it works. Right? So you have like this big mallet thing. It's like 10 or 12 pounds on this steel pole. And what you do is you kind of you heave the sucker up here, you know, right like this. And it's all in the hips. And then you just slam it down. Right? It's awesome. What happens is you, if you hit it just right, the wood 
It's an inspiring moment, right? Great stress reliever. It's all, okay. Yeah, if you want to try it, you can. You're welcome to. We'll give tips after. So, right, I do that, right? Sometimes when I want to split the wood, I just do it by hand, and man, it feels great. You're splitting the wood. Now, it's possible for me to do that with one arm. It is really not effective, and it's extremely dangerous, right? If you, you could do that. If I didn't have an arm, if I had an arm that wasn't in full use, right, it's just kind of a spare part, I could, I could do that. I could chop wood with one arm. It would be ineffective. It would be no fun. And it would probably cause me to put my splitting mall through my shin. That's just reality. That's probably what happened. Now, I also have uh, a great dance move. Have you guys ever seen my dance move? Would you like to? Man, those of you dancers out there are going to be so inspired. I just thought you'd take the next five minutes and build this up some more. Right? Are you ready? Here it is. I did that with a straight face, right? Here's my dance move. Now, if you said, hey, Ryan, do your dance move, but you can't use that extra arm. You're like, Ryan, are you dancing? Are you trying to chop that wood, buddy? What's going on, right? <laughs> the reality is I need all the parts of my body. I can do it. I mean, I can do that, my awesome dance move with one arm, but the reality is if I want it to be as good as it can possibly be, and it is awesome, then I got to have all my parts going, right? And that's, that's how it is in the body, in the body of Christ, in the church, can we do stuff w- without everybody in? Yeah, we can. We can. we can. We can make it happen. But it is painful, and it is not nearly as fun or as awesome as it could be if every member of the family and every part of the body is fully engaged. Right? Because when that happens, that is inspiring, and we see it come to bear in individual changed lives. Right? So just imagine how this works. Just interacting with the church and services and maybe what we would do in a week through life groups, here's how this might work in someone's life, right? So you, you show up to Grace Church and right away you realize, hey, you know what? I can have a cup of coffee, like a hot, free cup of coffee, and that's awesome because I love coffee, right? I show up here and you give me a free cup of coffee. Thank you for making that and buying that for me. That's fantastic. I feel loved by that, right? But you show up and you say, I got a baby with me. I want to sit in this service and kind of pay attention and do that whole thing. And somebody's going to say, you know what? No big deal. Uh, I'm going to volunteer my time to, to love and care for and carry your baby, help your baby while you sit in service. Awesome. Thank you so much for doing that. Right, I got these other kids with me, though. Right? And if you, you go to Grace, there's a lot of families with a lot of kids. I've got four. They just multiply. There's tons of them. Jeff has six. Right? So you say, hey... <laughs> And it's over. I'm not trying to keep up. Jeff won. I'm done. Right? Okay. <laughs> but you might say, hey, uh, I, got, I got these kids with me. I don't know if I want to bring them into service. Sometimes it's PG. Man, sometimes it's PG-13. You never know what they're going to say there at Grace. Nothing's taboo. So I want to have uh, my kids go into Power Kids. And listen, oh, there's adults in there that will teach my kids the Bible in a passionate and relevant way. They will feel loved, invested. They're going to have a ton of fun, meet other kids. It's, oh, it's awesome. It's all facilitated. And volunteers are doing that. They're just like doing that out of the love of their own heart. It's amazing. Right? I'm walking through the doors and people are smiling at me and greeting me. They're treating me like they're excited that I'm here. They don't even know me. This is amazing. Right? We'll keep going. Maybe you show up and there's an issue happening in your life. Um, maybe there's something big going on. You lost your job or there's a diagnosis or there's a marriage thing going on, a financial thing. Who knows? You say, hey, I would love to have somebody pray with me. Do you know the number of people that would love to pray with you here at Grace at any time? If you looked at someone and said, 
would you, would you like pray to God for me? People would love to do that here. Staff, volunteers, you name it. Right? They'd love to go and kind of go to bat for you in front of the Lord. Then there's Ezra. <laughs> right? Sometimes, let's just face it, we, have a, we got a rough week, man, and we want to go rock it out. I need inspired. And even if you don't follow God, you just need to know, man, is it possible that there's hope for me? I need to know that there's a God who loves me and cares for me, and I, I feel that when I sing to God and I can kind of rock out with the rest of the band. We need that. Right? And that's volunteers, by the way, with, with the team here, they give their entire weekend to making that happen. Do you know that? Those people aren't paid. Uh, they're here Saturday and Sunday and Tuesday night rehearsing, and they're normal people just like you and me. That's, that's amazing. Right? That's all going to happen. So we're thinking people, we might look around and say, you know, I don't think like the government bought this building. There's no corporation that bought this building, put this roof over our head. How did this get here? Like, how is it possible that we're in here and not outside in the 40 degrees? That happened because a whole bunch of people made conscious decisions with their finances to say, I could spend this money on myself, but I instead chose to give it to God in sacrificial ways so that the family could have a roof over its head. Oh, God, thank you for that. That's, am that's amazing that people would do that. This probably wasn't cheap. Right? We would look around and say that and realize that. It's all, it's all gifts of God's people making that all happen. You might look and say, I'm a brand new follower of Jesus. I did this. Right? When I was brand new to following Christ, I was like, literally, I've never read the Bible. I'm a young adult. I'm in college. What is going on in this book? I have no idea how to pray. I have no idea how to have a, a godly marriage or even be a, a godly person. Can someone like walk me through how to do that? There's people at Grace that would love to do that, would, would love to have the opportunity to volunteer their time and their energy and their passion, their intentionality to help you know Jesus on an individual one-on-one -on -one basis. Just why? Because they have been loved like that, and they want to show the love that they have received from God. And you might say, man, I got real questions. I've got doubts. I don't know if I know Jesus. I have real questions about our world. Can someone dialogue with me? Is it okay to ask the really hard questions? We look at you and say, absolutely. Go to a life group and have that conversation. Well, want to grab someone here? We'll have that talk with you. Sure. Or you show up and uh, right, hear God's word, you get built up and you get strengthened by that. You can become buff just by coming to church. Maybe not. Maybe if you split wood, you could. That'd be awesome. Right? There's the whiteboard. Let's have a moment of silence. The whiteboard. <laughs> hey, I'm just saying it might make a comeback. And there's no guarantees that it's gone forever just because this TV's here. The whiteboard shall live forever. Okay. You take all that together, right? All these little acts of kindness, right? People making coffee, people, all the things together. And what happens? Someone comes in, experiences the family, and they're able to put together all the math and say, all these people are giving away their time and their energy and their money. Like, why would they do that? All of that concludes with somebody recognizing maybe it's that God has loved them so much that they can't help but love other people. As they recognize the sacrifice that Jesus has made in their lives, they can't help but offer more of themselves back to their fellow brothers and sisters. Maybe Jesus is the real deal. Right? So you experience the family and the love of the family. All the math starts to be done and it starts to make sense. It's the church in action. 
right? Love differently. It's a different kind of outplay. Now, as we're wrestling with that, as we're seeing that all happen, some of us start to have questions about it. Well, what part of the body am I? How do I know? Right? Certainly there's shape class, but here's, here's a couple of truths I want to make sure we see. God himself is the one who gifts and guides his church. This is a big deal. God himself is the one who chooses what gifts to give, and he guides and arranges his church just as he sees fit. Let me show you this passage real quick. 1 Corinthians 12, 11. He says, all of these are the work of one and the same spirit. He's talking about all these spiritual gifts that he would have listed in the passage before. He says, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So you have the spiritual gifts that you have if you're a follower of Jesus today because God chose for you to have them. And he intends for you to put those into full action so that as a whole, right, his family or his body can be fully functioning. Sometimes what can happen is I can look, at, look around at, at other members of the body and say, well, I don't have what, like, I, I'm not Pastor Jeff. I, how could I make a difference? I, don't, I can't speak up there and tell people about Jesus, teach people the Bible. I, I, I might look and say, man, I'm, I'm not Pastor Ezra. I can't rock out. Like, you do not want me leading worship. That would be a complete and utter failure. You would look and say, there's other gifts in the body. God, can you use me even if it's not as public or as seemingly large? We'd say, just like there's organs of the body that I can't see that are absolutely critical, we would say each and every member of the body holds a crucial role, and it's God himself who picks that stuff. He's the one who gives you the gifts that you have. So there's a guy here today that has made coffee every weekend, that he has not been absolutely sick. And he has done that since before I was here at the church 17 years ago, as, just kind of as a member. You don't know his name, and you probably won't. That guy matters, right? And he's giving what he has been gifted to give, and he does that faithfully. And does he make a difference? Absolutely he does, right? And there's Sunday school teachers who you wouldn't know who have led your kids to Christ or other kids... There's over and over and over, every member playing its part is critical. And he's the one who picks that stuff. He's the one who picks where we land in the equation. And where this continues to go on is he himself is the one, I believe, who picks kind of where we land as a local church. So there's a reason why if you come here to Grace and you hear the vision that we long to see 30 churches planted in 30 years, right? We call them campuses. And you say, that is what I want to be a part of. Right? There's a reason why when you hear know it, live it, give it away, that we want, we want Jesus to change us, not just learn and know knowledge about it. We want to give his story to the world. There's a reason why when you hear that, you go, I'm in on that. That is my church. Because God himself aligns and organizes his local churches. And if you would say, that, that's me, I'm in on that, that's God himself calling you. That's not just you church shopping and, and figuring out where you fit best. That's God drawing you to be part of a family for a unique time and in a unique place and a unique way. And if that's true, that God has called you here, and that it's not just our choice kind of picking what we like, but in our own spirit, God is moving us to be a part of it. And what that means is that we are incomplete without you and you are incomplete without us. That if you are a member of this family, 
that you are called to be activated in that, that family. If you're part of the body, the body is not functioning fully until you are activated as a part of that body. It's a big deal. Right? He gifts and he guides his church and he arranges it just as he sees fit. Now, some of the places of you say, hey, Ryan, how do I get, how would I get moving on this? Right? Like, like if I would say, this is my church home, how do I get started? I would look at you and say, oh yeah, there, there's a place for everyone. Some places are easy starting points. And you you want to start welcoming people and being the face of Jesus to people as they enter in the building, we can help you get started on that right away. You, you want to make coffee, you want to stand in the parking lot and help cars make their way in. We, we say we don't park cars, we help people find a place. It's much more than just parking, but that's starting places like that are easy. We can help you get started right away on that. Other places, right, they, they take time and training and a great deal of trust. Let me give you a few examples. Here at Grace, we value our children so much, right? And so when we entrust someone with the care of our children, that's going to take a little more, more time. We need to get to know each other, understand each other, put some training in, make sure that we've kind of fully done our homework on who you are before we'd say, here, trust, we entrust you with our kids. Same thing with leadership. Leadership's a big deal at Grace. There's some churches that would just look and say, hey, anybody who raises their hand can be a leader. That is not how it is at Grace. Here, we believe in leadership. We believe that people in the body of Christ are called to be leaders and not just staff. Most of our leaders are not paid here at Grace. But if you want to lead, what we need to do is get to know that you have the same heart of service that, that someone else would have who's kind of serving. Because the reality is this. I love that Pastor Jeff says this. He says this, if, if servanthood is beneath you, leadership is above you. That has been the driving heartbeat of each member of the body. The reality is that whether I'm doing a small task that nobody sees or a very public task that everyone sees, and all the way in between, the heartbeat of any of those roles is the heartbeat of service. I want to do it for the common good so that the family can create an environment where somebody can make sense of God's love. Now, where do we go from here? How, How do we walk away from this first conversation about what it means to be the church? Looking at it as a family and every member matters. Looking at it as a body and there's no spare parts. How how do I engage that? Let me talk to that for a minute. Some of us, we may be here and we may show up today and uh, we may be in a great deal of pain. Everyone will recognize that. Uh, Some of us have been serving another church and that church closed or something happened and you are showing up sucking wind today and you're hurt and you don't even know if you can trust another church yet. Listen, if that's where you are, let me just encourage you. We, we don't want you to jump right into service. In fact, we want you to heal and take the time. We usually say give it a year, especially if you're hurt from a church environment. Some of us are here and we're, we're hurting in life. Something is happening in our world or something has happened. There's been a loss or a grief. And, and the reality is you need to heal. You need to heal. We would encourage you to do that. Let me, let me talk to that, though, for a minute. Healing, it's critical to know this, healing is not passive. Healing is an active thing. So get the picture in your mind of an athlete who has been injured. How do they act about that injury? They do everything in their power to heal and get back to health as soon as possible. Why? Because we have to get back in the game. 
I want to play the role that God has called me to play. Listen, if you're hurt, if something's happened in your world, we want to help you heal. We want to do that, but we've got to be active about it. Can't just sit and wait and hope the wound goes away. If you need to do that, make sure to heal. Some of us, I would look at you and you would look back at me. I'd say, hey, are you a follower of Jesus? You'd say, yes. I would look back and say, do you know what your spiritual gifts are? And you look back at me with a blank stare. I'd say, no big deal. What you need, if that would be your response, is you need to go to the shape class. You will be absolutely thrilled that you did that. A bunch of us would need to take that class, jump through that process, and be mobilized through it. And then there's a big group of us here. I want to talk to you. If you are a, a faithful servant of God and you have found your place at Grace Church, this next, this next part's not for you. Okay? If you're active and you're giving yourself, pouring yourself out, don't apply this next part to yourself. Okay? For those of us who are here and we would say, Grace Church is my home. I know it. Right? I know I'm where I need to be. I found my home. I'm in. I haven't taken a step yet. Say this. This is the time for us to jump in. Right? When's it going to happen? When's the, when's the time we're going to kind of pull the trigger on it and say, you know, I want to get started. I want to start serving, maybe in a small way, maybe in a big way, but I need to be the member of the body that God's called me to be. I want to start to serve. Because if that's you, it's time to go. It's time to throw it into gear. Because right, we have no spare parts. We have no extra members of the family. Every part matters. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do this weekend. I'm going to ask you to grab this program. I put it right here in, the, in your chairs there. If you can reach forward, grab this program real quick if you would, if you'd be willing to do that. And here's what I'm going to make this really, really clear way to respond. Okay? Just grab that, open up. Look at that connection card if you've never seen this before. It's a little half sheet of paper right here. Here's what I'd love to have you do. If you would take a minute and write down your name and contact info, phone number, email, whatever you want to be contacted with, and then I'm going to give you three words. Ready? Three words. This is it. You can write down one or all three, whatever you want to do. If you need help to heal, if you need counseling, you need a grief group, you need to talk to somebody in order to move forward and get back to health, I want you to write down the word help. Write it down. Take this step. It is not passive. It needs to be active. We want to help you. And write that down on that connection card. Here's the next word. You don't know your spiritual gifts, and you look at me and say, I don't, know what I, I don't even know what I'm gifted to do, Ryan. Write this word down. Shape. Shape. You need the shape class? Write that on that piece of paper. We will follow up, give you the details about it. Last one. You look at me and say, Ryan, I'm not serving right now. I know this is my home. I'm in. I know I need to take a step, and I haven't yet. Write down the word serve. Serve. It's, it's time to put it into action. You might write down all three of those words or two of them. That's fine. Whatever, whatever you need to do. But let's put our love into action. Let's love differently. It's not just something we think about or something we talk about. It's something that actually shows up in real time, in a real way, in a family, loving as we have been loved. I'm going to ask you guys to rip those out here in a minute. When, when the band comes out, you can pass them in, throw them in the basket, 
and we will follow up with you this week and help you to get traction in your movement towards being who calls you to be. And guys, we're not going to do it perfect, but we'll help you to get started. As the band comes out, I want us to think and pray, and I just thank God for the generosity and the kindness that he's given to us. That's where all this comes from, is a response to what Jesus has done for us. He loved us differently, so we do the same in return. Let me pray for us. We'll sing and worship together. Father, there, there's truly no way for us to even measure how much kindness, how much love you've poured onto our lives. First and foremost is, is the gift of your son Jesus into our lives, that you'd offer him up. Because you loved us so much, you didn't want eternity without us. God, from, from the kindness of our families, and our, our biological family, our church family, the abundance you provide all around us, God, we could never repay, and that's not our aim. We can't, and we won't. But we do want to, Lord, as a response back to the love that you've shown in our lives, we want to say thank you by playing our part as a member of your body. Would you give us courage to do that, Lord? Would you help us? Would you heal us? Would you equip us and teach us about the gifts you've given? God, give us the courage to move, to be servants, given maybe a little bit of time or maybe a lot of time, depending on where we are in life. We want to be all that you've called us to be, loving differently as a response to your unique love in our lives. Meet us here, Lord, even now.